delighted to welcome Tim Waters, who's the principal of Sherborne International School. Our paths have crossed twice in the past, quite a long time ago. The first time we were both working in Abingdon, and the second was when I went to visit his school because we were looking at going co-ed, and his school already was co-ed, and uh, so we had lessons that we could learn from him, which were extremely useful. Um, last autumn, I brought a prospective Christian student to his school, uh, with a view to him uh, doing the two-term study course preparing for the sixth form, uh, and I'm delighted to say that he had a fantastic term there. Um, Tim, in background, has worked in a variety of different schools, uh, including at uh, the Royal Wolverhampton and then at Trinity in Devon, uh, which had about 100 boarders, uh, many of them internationals. So this is his third headship, his past roles have given him an insight into the international student experience um, with a, quite a range of contexts and a desire to lead a school that maximises the benefit of children when they're in the UK system. So um, thank you very much, Tim. What would you say is appealing about a British in education? Because clearly we're not trying to make people become British. I think it breaks down into uh, a number of strands. Um, uh, parents are obviously looking to get their children into the UK uh, education system and I think a lot of them recognise that um, there are ways in which our academic life here is, is different. Um, in terms of, for example, speaking and interacting in classes, many students will come from cultures that are uh, naturally quite quiet. Um, others will come from cultures where they're, they're quite outgoing um, uh, and forthright. Um, and parents are often looking for us to uh, get students used to working in, in, in the, the UK um, sort of classroom environment and get them ready for that. Um, so that's one thing which they are, are, are keen on us doing. Um, also, uh, many parents recognise that in cultures that are quite conformist, for example, um, if they're coming into the UK university system, they need to be ready to challenge, to question, to investigate. Um, and those sorts of skills are things that haven't historically been um, developed in more conformist educational cultures. Uh, and we're able then to do that for their children and then to hand them to a university better prepared. Um, so that sort of thing from an educational point of view is, is very important. Um, when it comes to personal development, also um, the extracurricular life in schools, uh, the variety of opportunities that students get in uh, the UK independent sector, allows them to develop uh, a broad sweep of soft skills, which uh, I think parents hope will set them up well for future employability. Uh, and certainly we find that a lot of our kids then um, subsequently they go on to university, then off to professional lives, and they have that um, uh, personal resilience um, and suite of uh, abilities that, that, that carry them through very successfully. Um, that also, I think, hinges on to um, the, the, the other key thing, which is that um, kids who come to schools like ours are looking to become members of the global community. And if you mix them with children from uh, a wide range of nations, you get used to their different uh, outlets and perspectives. Then when you complete your education, you're much better able to step into that global community uh, and be a, a fully contributing part of it. And I think, again, that's probably the final bit in the equation for parents. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. And I think the um, you have quite a range of children, um, though there may be probably uh, a larger proportion than any other of Chinese. Um, yeah. But uh, do you notice the, the different expectations that, that parents have of their, what their children are going to uh, accomplish when they're with you? Yeah, I think 
it, it's um, always the case that, that uh, a student's experience in the UK is, is seen through the home prism and um, that means that, that there's often a, a need to uh, explain yourself, I think, educationally to begin with. So, for example, if you're looking at students from um, Eastern cultures, China, Japan, um, uh, again, they're quite sort of conformist in the way in which they interact. They are very, very uh, competitive when it comes to uh, gaining uh, high quality marks, that sort of thing. Uh, and so often they, they are expecting um, to achieve at the highest possible level in terms of the percentages scored. So when you're talking about formative assessment versus summative assessment and you're dealing with taking somebody uh, and, and saying, okay, great, you know, this is 75% at this stage, it's fantastic, this is how we build it up, this is how we take you forward. Um, uh, that conversation for us is, is quite natural, but for somebody from a culture where they are looking for it to be 90%, 95% and anything less is, is disappointment, uh, that is, is difficult. And when you're looking at a set of reports that go through to, to parents, um, they see figures on there that reflect a journey um, for us, um, for them, it, it, it seems initially to look a bit like failure. And so that sort of expectation needs managing. Um, uh, again, when you look at, at, at students perhaps from um, some of the former Soviet countries, um, what they're looking for sometimes is, is, is uh, nuanced in a different direction. Instead of looking for uh, the principal thing being top quality academic uh, education, top quality marks, etc., that you know that's a given, obviously. Um, but they are often looking for all-round character development. They're looking for the ability to be uh, a good conversationalist, to be uh, developed sportingly, to be able to perform, to be able to uh, integrate globally uh, in a working environment. So that sort of thing is is often an expectation from those sorts of families. Um, I think everybody has commonalities. They all want to be ready for a global world, but the direction that they that they take in, in, in getting there is different because they're all coming from different start points. Yes, yes, that's very helpful. Thank you very much. So your school is unusual because you have about 150 students at any time? Yeah, it's between 100 and 150, depending on the time of the year. Yes, and um, they, none of them are local, if I've understood that correctly. That's right, yeah. It's a thoroughly international school. So uh, what's distinctive about your ethos? How do you make it, keep it British? <laughs> um, right. You know, it's not like a Chinese, a school for Chinese people in a Chinese way in Britain. Just a different yeah. way. <laughs> it, it, it's it's quite an odd um, shape in many respects. We were the first uh, international study centre and we designed specifically as a transitional stage. So uh, the aim of the school is, is is not to see a student right way through their secondary journey, but in, instead to act as a, as a connector between the international system and the UK system. So we have on the one hand to have to um, present a UK style face, we have to have a system that works in a, in a typical UK independent school way, but we then have to draw people into that from very, very different backgrounds. Now, in order to do that, um, we have uh, not only a very strong sense of, of community development within our staff body, but also we are very clear with our more senior students that they have to represent the culture, if you like, to those who are new joiners. So there's a sense of a baton being, being passed from one generation to the next um, and, and reinforcement of that sense of it being um, a family where one generation leads to the next, leads to the next, is, is, uh, that's very important to us. 
alongside that, uh, there's a, a careful process of integration that every student goes through. So they come into the school and they're introduced to uh, very silly things like, you know, how you cross the road, how you queue in a shop, the way in which banks work, um, what an experience of going into a shop is like. Um, and, and day by day, week by week through um, that initial period, um, they are acculturated into uh, UK life. Um, they are um, introduced to the way in which their, their home way of doing things differs from our home way of doing things. And everybody is gradually brought together to that, that um, I wouldn't say central ground, but that common ground um, uh, you know, within which we, we, we live as a community. Um, it, it helps that our class sizes are very small. Uh, we, we have uh, classes maximum, usually eight or nine students, many of them are five or six students. Uh, we spend a lot of time individually trying to understand the, the needs of that particular boy or girl. Um, and so what that means is that they're, they're constantly having the, 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 these feeds into the experience, um, some from teachers, some from those within the house, some from uh, old students within the school, net result being that they are, are always gently being tapped in the right direction. Yes, that's lovely. So clearly uh, both the pupils and the staff have a shared responsibility um, it's a very family uh, atmosphere in the school, certainly when I came to visit. Yes, it is. I mean, it, it, um, uh, it, it's difficult. Uh, it's just like cliche, really, I suppose, we're talking about a family. It's difficult to, to pull out exactly what it is that um, makes it different here. I think it's a small school. Um, and one of the advantages we have is that we're not taking a small number of children and putting them into a, a, a home native community. As you were saying earlier, we, we don't have um, anybody who is local. Uh, we do have one or two UK kids often sort of migrating their way back into the UK system. But essentially, you have these, these children arriving and they are all different, but they are all the same in the sense that they're all coming to a place together um, with a, a background culture, but but um, where they're not suddenly having to fit into um, uh, an established community of a particular type. So it's not 80% British, 20% overseas, and therefore a tendency for there to be a division between the two. It's 100% new to the community. So when they come in, they are, whether they're Russian, Thai, Chinese, Brazilian, they are experiencing the same sort of uh, challenge of dislocation and then having to reframe themselves. Um, and, and so that quickly makes them sort of sit there and say, well, hang on a second, you're, you're a completely different appearance to me, completely different linguistic group to me, but you're exactly the same. You know, you share my problems, you share um, the challenge that I have, and, and, and that quickly pulls people together. And as I said, by directing um, them to the same common place uh, in, in, in the process, uh, they very quickly bind, they're very mutually supportive. Um, and even though some are only here for short term, those friendships often last a lifetime. We have people who are um, 30, 40 years uh, um, away from having left here, and, and yet they're still in touch. Uh, our alumni association is very, very vibrant. Um, and some of the key players in it were only here for two, three terms, and yet they never forget it. Yes, that's wonderful. Well, um, you, could you describe to us your very flexible offering? Um, yeah, it, it, it's um, a sort of wide range of uh, different course types that we have that are designed with a particular aim in mind. Um, we know that the people that we get are going to be joining at different times. Uh, we know they're going to be coming from different backgrounds and uh, they're therefore all going to be facing a, um, uh, a sort of variable set of, uh, of challenges. Uh, essentially, the first thing that we, we start with is trying to 
by what the end point is for the child. Are they wanting to go for a sixth form class? If so, do they have a particular target school? Or if they're a junior, are they looking for um, uh, uh, to go in at 13 plus or perhaps go in at year 10? Um, so we identify that first of all, and then we work with the family to work out which particular one of our courses will, will fit them best. So we have standard courses, one and two year GCSEs. We have uh, the ability to join partway through year 10 into our um, 10L and 10T groups. Um, and so students are able to, to embark on the journey January or April time. Um, for other students who perhaps don't need fixed qualifications, we have um, shorter term courses like the, the pre-sixth course um, where a student will come for one term or two terms where the whole focus is pushed away from content and much more onto development of, uh, of uh, learning skills, uh, um, uh, you know, as I said, classroom discussion, uh, practical work in sciences, um, all of those sorts of things that perhaps are new to them but which they'll need in sixth form. Um, and so that suite of main course uh, opportunities are there, plus also we have uh, summer courses that are aimed at language development or at um, preparation for IB or A-level, um, Easter preparation courses that, that uh, lift people's GCSE preparation. You, you, you take the task, uh, you look at what we, we have to offer and then you, you work with parents to work, work the best way um, work out the best way forward. Um, so if you look at our children here, um, probably um, any child will share their journey with six, eight other children with a, with a similar, uh, similar shape profile. Um, but there will be, um, you know, 10, 12 different tracks people are taking, some joining the summer and going through the one year GCSE, some doing two year GCSE, but um, um, sticking in the, the summer in the middle to help them, some just coming for a term because their English is already very good. And it's that ability to uh, to flex it and adjust that enables us to adapt what we offer to the children that um, that come to us. Yeah, super. Thank you very much indeed. Um, you do have a very clear admissions process on your school website. Yeah. Um, but I guess that offering a place to a student is more of an art than a science. Would you? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I mean, going back to what I was talking about there with regard to um, students coming in with, with very different needs, uh, the key thing is to uh, understand that, that every, you know, every child is an individual problem and every child has uh, a, a, you know, a range of needs that you have to be able to address. So you've got to reach a fair judgment about whether or not the school can do for that child what he or she needs. Um, so there'll be a certain amount of basic assessment, English assessment, maths assessment, you'll get reports from uh, schools. Um, they can be very helpful. Uh, Hong Kong Band One School, for example, or a US UK international school, those reports are quite readable. You can get those in, you can look at those and you get a pretty good um, idea of, of, of what um, boy or girl is like. Um, that, however, is only part of the process. Um, one of the key things is um, agent feedback. Uh, the profile that they give, the report that they give from a trusted agent is, is massively useful because it will give you an idea of the motivation, the family background, um, the sort of long-term plan that, that the child has got um, around which you can begin to build the, the educational offer. Um, all of that sort of comes together to give you uh, a, a broad shape for a particular student. But the key thing is that on the back of that, you then have to, to interview them either directly by meeting them in, a, in an agent's office or then coming to visit us here um, or over, uh, over Skype where you will um, have a chance to, to, to see whether, you know, uh, little Jimmy Chan, who, who comes across really well on paper, actually um, presents as well uh, in real life. Now, sometimes you, you sort of get there and you, you think, hang on a second, this isn't quite adding up. 
um, and the result is that you might query the, the, the plan that you were making and have to revise it or even say, well, actually, we're not the right place. Um, sometimes you get lovely surprises where I, mean, I remember a student last year we were um, interviewing. We, we thought, hang on a second, this is a, this is a real borderline case because the paperwork um, pointed in a particular direction. Um, but then she got talking and we thought, wow, you know, um, this girl's really sparky. She's got a lot of energy. Yes, the English development is, 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 is behind where it might be. Um, but the, the, the force of personality that, that came through uh, in the interview, which wasn't there on the paper, um, made us think, yeah, definitely she's coming. Um, so um, yes, it's an art. Um, uh, there are lots of bits to it, but I would say that the thing that is often most critical is looking them in the eye and saying, okay, um, who are you? And, and, and hearing what they have to say. Yes, oh, that's tremendous. Now, in a sense, um, COVID has been quite an inconvenience and an interruption. Um, you've adapted by putting all the lessons online. And yeah. I know that the boy I introduced to you has been carefully attending timetable lessons every day, <laughs> even from uh, Chanteau, where he lives in, in China. So the practicalities have changed, um, but that doesn't necessitate much change for you in what you offer. Is that accurate or do you think actually it's not really getting exactly what they, they need and what they want? Uh, it, it's not delivering exactly the sort of experience that I think they were originally looking for in all respects, um, in that the, the, the interaction that you get on a day-to-day -day basis, the, uh, the, the way in which you look at a child's body language and understand what it is that's, that's bothering them, or, or um, seeing that moment where they, they, where they lose contact with what you're explaining, all of those sorts of things are, are, are no longer there, so you can't immediately um, re-explain something or uh, um, catch somebody at that point where they need the, 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 the intervention uh, at a critical moment. So you, you lose the subtlety that's there with direct face-to-face -face interaction. I think one of the things that we've, we've spotted as we've gone through this is that we initially thought we would need to um, scaffold a lot of uh, what students did with a great deal of uh, stuff on the um, uh, on teams um, with a clear structure um, uh, lots of material uh, and so on and, and yes we need to do that but the critical thing is is, is to back that up with being there mm -hmm. um, being uh, on chat being on video being um, uh, in a position where you split the teaching up so that there is a bit of um, explanation there's a bit of work to do and then there is a period where you're actually interacting directly with the student um, either on audio or, or, or visual as well so that you maintain that face-to-face -face side of it which is so critical here. Now for those students with whom we have these established relationships it's worked well um, and with a couple who've actually joined us this this term they've managed to pick up well and, and, and uh, move forward with it. Uh, in the long term though if we're in a situation where, where Covid limits our ability to um, uh, to travel and makes the international education um, uh, business uh, uh, you know, more difficult, um, we're going to have to look carefully at, at how we um, work with a combination of online stuff and um, direct interaction, either by getting people over here for shorter courses or for compressed courses or visiting them over there or working through um, uh, agents or um, uh, contacts in, in home cities. We have to look at ways in which we deal with it in order to make sure that that face-to-face direct um, strength that we have is, is, is not lost because I think that's the, the, the magic ingredient really that, that schools like this have mm -hmm. that online at the moment is, is, is not yet um, uh, configured well enough to, to, to make up for. Yes. Well that, that's very helpful.
Um, the obvious requirements for the children in uh, your place is to prepare them for A-levels, both in yeah. the English study skills and indeed, I think, um, with the boy who I've got um, uh, going on to um, another boarding school in the sixth form, he's actually had some um, business studies. Um, yeah. So that's been very interesting that he's he's been able to go beyond just the English, maths and science um to have some insight so he's got the vocabulary and the concepts that he's going to be exploring at a level um which must be a very useful um uh, springboard um do you think the parents um are expecting anything more than that yeah they um are, are wanting their their um, children to be prepared for um you know life as a, as a young adult and you know harking back to some of the things i was i was saying mm -hmm. earlier um, the, the soft skills um, that they need to develop are, are, are something that a lot of parents will talk about. Um, creative skills are something that in the Far East, for example, has been much more prevalent in interviews that I've had with parents over the last five years than previously, um, seeing the world from a, from a different culture's point of view. All of these things are the, are the sort of 21st century toolkit, if you like, that, um, uh, that children need and that I think parents are increasingly looking for us to provide. Now, we, um, as I said, we, we sort of fit in the middle, really. We, we, we start that process. We provide them uh, with a whole range of um, opportunity, of training, of experience. Um, most importantly, however, what we do is we make them realize the possibilities that are there. So, for example, we, we have a difficulty getting um, a large number of our students through Duke We get a small number through, they do bonds, all that works really nicely. Um, but many of our students are here for too short a period to do that. But a lot of them started and a lot of them are then um, told, well, you've enjoyed that. You've, you've, you've developed, you've built this skill, you've built that skill. Uh, you seem to have had fun. Now, when it's, uh, when it comes to talking about your future school, if you're looking for a school um, where where that sort of thing is available and where that sort of thing is possible, you can continue that and take that forward. And um, to understand what's out there, setting them up to appreciate what is possible, um, getting them to the right school to then carry that journey on again is, is part of what we do. So we, we, we lay the foundations for it, but we also try and open the doors and say, well, okay, you like these things in particular, you've really lost in the drama or music or whatever, School X, school Y, school Z are great places to go and we help them to, to move on to a school like that. Another kid might be looking for um, something which is, I don't know, like um, Outward Bound, CCF, that sort of thing. We'll identify a school for them, we'll build the, the, the skills up the need for it and head them off in that direction as well. So that sort of um, uh, additional human personality wrapping that, 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 that we provide and that the UK independent system is so good at is, is very much uppermost in the minds of many parents there. Yeah, so coming back to the, the COVID issue, um, why can we be optimistic about educating internationals in a post-COVID world? Um, parents will continue to send their children here, I'm sure. Yeah, I think at, at the moment there's there's uh, there are a lot of challenges that are being faced. Uh, we talked about transport, we talked about um, things like quarantining, all of that. Mm -hmm. Those are practical issues that are, are difficulties. There are um, reputational issues as well. Um, I would say we're we're in something of a, a global gun, gunfight at the moment about you know who's to blame for this, who's done the worst job of that, who's done the best job of that, whose PPE was in place, whose wasn't, uh, and there's a sort of um, uh, a reputational shakeout going on where um, I think the UK is. 
is is at the moment a little bit in, in, in the firing line. I think long term the picture might shake out differently, but at the moment we're a little bit in the firing line. And so there are those challenges there. However, um, at, at the end of it, people will, will still sort of sit there and say, well, okay, um, which countries offer world-leading education, which has um, a, a track record of, of doing it properly, um, that's delivered um, uh, you know, millions of people into uh, you know, the, the global professional world? And the answer is that, that, that Britain is still right up there at the top. Um, it's not necessarily the best, but it's, it's in that leading pack. The US is obviously um, massively influential as well, but we're, we're still right uh, there. And I think seen as... Um, having that extra bit of, of, of uh, good traditional polish. Um, I think also many parents, you know, talking about what I was saying earlier with, with parents perhaps in the Far East looking for creativity and things like that increasingly at the moment, um, many parents are seeing uh, the British system as a way of adding a bit of what I might describe as hybrid vigour. You know, um, their children have had um, great experiences, you know, at, at home in certain ways, but they're perhaps looking for something different. Perhaps there's a lot of um, uh, rigor, good factual learning, a good foundation put in place in, in say, the Japanese system. Um, uh, but the parents are looking for a school to to add the personal development, the questioning skills, the investigative skills as well on top of that. And seeing that a lot of people who have had this double experience have got the best from Japan and the best from the UK um, in complementary ways that mean that their, their son or daughter's gone that bit further than they might have done. So that hybrid bigger side is important. Yes. The final thing is, it's still the case that English is the, uh, is the lingua franca in the world uh, of, of commerce and business. And I think that will still be uh, a key card for us for you know, another 20, 25 odd years yet. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed. Well, that was the list of questions that I had in mind to ask. Um, yep. Is there anything else that you'd like to add in relation to the future of educating internationals or uh, running an international school? I think the only thing I'd say at the moment is that um, there is you know, quite a lot of worry afoot within the sector at the moment about some of the things that we've, we, we've uh, alluded to with, with COVID-19 and the effect that might have um, on, on travel, on economies, on, on people's um, desire to, to go overseas and to be educated overseas. Um, Within that, you know, there, 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 there is a lot to address. There's a lot to think about. But at the same time, there's a lot of, uh, of opportunity. You know, every single challenge that comes along is an opportunity. We have historically been um, flexible and adaptable. We set up the, the, the pre-sixth course um, a, a couple of years ago. Uh, we set up a pre-GCSE course more recently. Uh, we were the first school in the country originally to do uh, one-year GCSE. And there are plenty of other examples like that of uh, situations where we've, we've looked at uh, what needed to be done. We've swiftly addressed it and dealt with it. Um, and there are many other schools with similarly impressive track records around the country in, in, in their particular areas. Now, uh, schools that have that um, adaptability, flexibility, willingness to engage with the changing world and make the best of it and seek opportunities, those sorts of schools will, will thrive. Uh, and in the long run, um, the, the family of schools that, that then um, uh, uh, prosper and develop from that over the course of the next five or ten years will, I think, be offering things that are much more uh, relevant and appropriate for um, the student bodies than perhaps we are at the moment. So challenge breeds innovation, innovation breeds improvement. Um, so, yes, it's tough at the moment, but at the same time, it might well end up putting us in a better place in five years. Well, that's very exciting. Thank you. A good note to end. Um, thank you very much for indeed for what you've said and thank you for being thank available you. for the chat which is going to follow. Thank you very much.
Thank you very much. Thank you.